0: The Viewpoint
1: on SAFM with Songhez Monday to Thursday, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. Tim Kulu Bungane Mafuza Professor Mandla Khade, Associate Professor in the Department of Strategic Communication at the University of Johannesburg and author of Constructing Hegemony, the South African Commercial Media and the Misrepresentation of nationalization, the importance of media freedom during conflicts. This is something as a strategic dialogue that's taking place tomorrow at the university. So Umtimkulu Mandlakhat Debe is on the line to talk to us about that. Prof, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh,
0: Good evening, Pungane. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> very good let's talk about the importance of media freedom and of course when we talk about during conflicts the most obvious conflict the globe is now seized with is what's happening in eastern europe on the borders of ukraine and russia issue you want to tell us exactly what we are seized with and the issues one should be looking to engage, the issues, especially those that don't come naturally to the eye, but from a communications perspective, the holding of a democracy still accountable to the rule of law and the ordinary rules of engagement, international law, even in times of conflict, what could be the issues we should be aware of or we could be missing because we are not aware?
0: Yes, indeed, you are spot on in that introduction, uh, The As the old saying goes, the truth is the first casualty in war. Mm-hmm. And this obviously comes up during conflicts such as the one that you have described that is taking place uh, in Ukraine. In this context, therefore, it is important that uh, all of us, not just the media practitioners, but all of us as democratic and peace-loving citizens, we must understand the role of media and media freedom, uh, which in our context is guaranteed in our progressive uh, constitution because the media, as a matter of fact, uh, even not in, conf- in, in conflict situation, the media is always faced uh, with challenges um, such as the harassment of journalists uh, and all those uh, issues. And without the media, there are so many things that me and you might not be able to see and understand that are, are going out on out there. So therefore, it is important that we must discuss uh, the importance of media freedom, particularly in the context of conflicts. That's why uh, we'll be having such a webinar uh, tomorrow at UJ to discuss.
1: I'm going to ask the obvious questions and please give me the most obvious or the most candid response to the extent that, of course, it doesn't in any way compromise your ability to secure funding in the work of the department's strategic communications strategy. But I subscribe to DSTV and pay an amount X. I, right now, do not enjoy Russia Today television news despite the fact that my package says i will no explanation before no explanation during or since that channel has since been muted on my multi-choice platform what is going on there and why should it be tolerated for any longer than it has been to date
0: when um, there are two uh, answers to your questions um, but the, over, the underlying factor is that it should not be tolerated. But here's the re, real bit of the matter is that the, the, the communication systems, uh, which include which the, the productive forces of that communication system, um, the infrastructure that me and you uh, use to, en- to ensure that me and you are, are able to communicate and get the use, are controlled. By powerful people in society and allocated uh, within those structures. So, uh, in the context uh, of the muting of RT, uh, Russian TV, as you put it, it is precisely because it it falls in uh, the infrastructure falls in the Western-controlled platform. So the side they are not class neutral they are not neutral in their decision making in their decision making and that is why they are the profit uh, of innovation that are aligned to particular ideologies uh, so that's the first part but the second part is that um, the the manner in which a a, a company like multi-choice will operate is that it does not control uh, these systems so what it does it, ju- it just buys the rights from whoever would, would be willing to give them the rights, whether it's the rights for you to watch your favorite soccer team, wherever it is in the world, uh, they buy those rights from those people. And if those people who control those rights, they decide to mute. A company like multi has got absolutely not in the decision, uh, even though it would have paid for it. So the, uh, the, the answer to your question goes deeper to the control of the means of communication which are not in the hands of the people but are the hands of the few elites who control how we see the world, how we think, and how we should think about the world and what we talk about and how we should talk about Can that. I
1: probe that issue slightly deeper? Just quickly, can you rehash? In other words, multi-choice have not themselves made the decision to essentially can RT because the platform RT itself is germinated from a space that multi-choice itself doesn't have control over is that right
0: that's my that's my understanding of the situation uh, and that's, a, that's my reading of the situation of let's course, assume that
1: to be true in other words whoever controls the levers of what ultimately lands on multi-choice platform essentially can run a narrative of his or her choice or the institution can run a a narrative of its choosing for me here in South Africa, despite them absolutely being devoid of the South African context. In other words, are we at the mercy of those persons to whom you refer as the few? Are we at the mercy of those persons in relation to what we see? In other words, is South Africa Inc. not in control of her communications?
0: Absolutely. The moment that, uh, the moment you, you 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 fall into the trap of the globalized communication system, you are at the mercy of those that control those systems. But um, forget the international uh, reality. Let's come back home for a moment mm. and let's look at the control of our own, the control and the ownership of our own media. If you look at our press, for example, it is very concentrated, owned by few people who the ideas that they want everyone else to believe to be the truth. Sure. Uh, will produce the ideology that want, they want uh, for everyone to believe, uh, to believe. So obviously when it goes to a global scale, it takes the, the, the global phenomena and, uh, and the re- reality of the matter is that we know that there's one superpower in the world that controls the narrative that me and you are said on daily basis.
1: Is this not a national sovereignty issue? And Absolutely. national security it is. issue?
0: It is. Think about th- th- think about the social media that uh, we all use on a daily basis in the digital platform. Cambridge
1: Analytica, uh, I think this is where this is going.
0: Yes, I mean, um, we, we, we are subjected uh, to the platforms that we don't own, that we don't control. Very wise, some countries that will be called autocratic, they will ensure that those platforms not find expressions in their country. When you go to a country like China, for example, suddenly the means of communication that you are used to, such as WhatsApp, you suddenly don't have access to it because they are very clear in the, import, uh, in the uh, how their systems are controlled and how their data that is produced by their citizens is controlled. Because the data that we share on all platforms, be it Facebook, Twitter, uh, WhatsApp, we don't know where it ends uh, and who sells it for what purpose. Uh, that is why in, 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 in the scholarship the emergence of concepts such as uh, uh, data colonialism uh, because it is very clear that uh, we have entered a a new colonial stage where uh, our information is controlled by the people we don't know.
1: Yeah, the question is then how do we protect our sovereignty and I nearly forgot that we actually do have callers on the show, Johannesburg 714-2006 if you're so inclined to participate and I certainly do encourage you to be do kindly give us a call on Johannesburg, 714-2006. The conversation at this point is the importance of media freedom during conflicts. I'm coming to you just now, KGM, but I do want to read this out, if you like, just to offer context and perspectives. Seasoned broadcaster Paula Sleer, currently a war correspondent and Middle East Bureau for RT, will be the main speaker. This is, of course, what's taking place on Tuesday, 5 April, at the UJ Communication Strategic Communication webinar. She says or she has called for media plur- plurality since, open quote, there is a value in people accessing a Russian channel that presents the Russian government's point of view, regardless of what one might think of those views. And I think that's especially important, irrespective of what one's persuasion is or whatever the dominant narrative must be. It can only be a dominant narrative because there are other narratives Otherwise, it would simply be the narrative. I am interested, though, in your thoughts at home. KGM is first.
2: Good evening, uh, or Good evening to your guests and to my fellow listeners. By Eteba. Look, here's my view on this. History or any story of a nation is written by the victors. Um, You go to the polls you have a a political party winning the majority they become the rulers it it, it matters not what the the, the stance on a governance system says whether you talk about democracy um, majority would rule whether whether minority becomes majority at some point the fact that during the time of the poll uh, a certain organization won it stays like that it is the same with media Songezo, here's a practical example. Mm. We, we as listeners and, and contributors sometimes, uh, let me, gi- let me give an example about, about myself. I, I sometimes rub people the wrong way, be it a producer or a presenter for that matter. <laughs> now, if we don't talk, or maybe tore the line, mm. Songezo comes, can I make an example where yeah, sure. Songezo comes yes. and he's excited about a topic. And he's not expecting any challenge from anybody. Mm-hmm. And then Sula so, from Mokobane calls. And, and the whole of that week, if Solo called on a Monday, and Sula has, has a five-day program or a four-day program, you're the muted. whole of that week, yeah. you are muted, you're not going to go through. It, now, if, if we at South Africa, if, if the world led by, by America claims to be democratic, fair, And the likes Uh, uh. why do they not want people being all of us in the world to have our own assessment and make our own conclusion why must we be fed why must we be told watch this don't watch this it doesn't matter what Russia uh, RT was gonna tell us are we not matured enough to look at these channels
0: these news feeds
2: these reports and be able to say, I will go with what Song Yeso says. Mm, I'll go mm. with what KGM says. Absolutely. Why must we be told? Song
1: Yeso, thanks for taking Fantastic my Fantastic perspectives. Thank you so much, there, KGM, calling us in the Northwest. Let's go to the Northern Cape, bordering the Northwest. Aisha, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Calling from Uppington, I think. Aisha? Uh, I
3: am. Um, I'm happy that you're feeling better.
1: Ah, thank you so much. Yes, I am. <laughs> I absolutely am.
3: Right, that is one. Two, this is a this is a very interesting topic, but I want to take it from 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 another level with your professor there. Yes. Uh, prof, you didn't touch on the racism that I had running with this war. Can you respond to me, please?
1: You certainly will. I'll hold him to account. Thanks, Aisha. Do you have anything else to raise? Or just that point? Uh,
3: no, no. And then for you, mm-hmm. I want you to look into that. That is two laws on the water. There's a law of 6,000 liters for the poor people. And then because they want to use all of the water. That cannot be. But okay, let me get off. Water
1: Rationalization, a conversation with the custodians of water policy. That's certainly a conversation we can have. It will probably, if truth be told, can happen from next week because it's just too late for tomorrow's schedule, certainly on my schedule, Aisha. But I can try and have that as the lead story for next week. Thanks for keeping us honest. Can can, I
3: say one last thing? Yes. Can you please get Plantland Lux?
1: I want you to bring him on the show. No comment. (laughs) I'll respond to you offline, but thank you so much for the call. Twenty-one twenty-two, Aisha. Doc, Professor, do you respond specifically to Aisha? Because we do know live accounts of even people we might know personally of in handling the evacuation of major cities in Ukraine, that the public transport system, access to the trains, the military officials of Ukraine ensured that Africans or black people at large were the last in the pecking order for the purposes of evacuation. This despite whatever contributions those African and black persons would have at the time been making in Ukraine and how that narrative is completely missing from your mainstream media of the kind CNN and BBC would be. If you do get something like that, at least from my experiences of engaging this question, I might get from Al Jazeera. Can we engage the messaging within the narratives?
0: Yes, uh, Songha. I think Aisha is raising a very important uh, question on the racism narratives and how it is. it, it is reflected in the mainstream media, and this is not the first case where uh, uh, Africans in particular are edited out uh, in a number of uh, uh, stories that are unfolding. There's a colleague uh, who then escapes me who has been very active uh, from from the UK, who has been very active in demonstrating how the mainstream media, particularly the Western-controlled um, media, has been very biased in how they, uh, they have been reporting um, on the racial aspect of the conflict. Um, There's quite a number of conflicts that are, cu- are currently on, uh, going on globally, but this one is receiving a different perspective, and because precisely because there are Europeans uh, that are involved in this conflict, who are suddenly uh, are displaced from uh, uh, their places uh, uh, where they are based. And suddenly that narrative is different from um, the people who are displaced in Iraq, in Gaza, in Ethiopia, and all over the world.
1: And we will say nothing uh, about the fact that many European nations suddenly have capacity to receive refugees, but for the last 10 or so years, the refrain has been, we do not have place for them. And the refugee is the one that's coming from Africa, Crossing the Mediterranean into your Greece and your Italy's and the kind. I mean, that can't be missed and should not be missed.
0: No, absolutely. But um, so these discourses, I think uh, how we should always understand them is that they are not just an innocent process of new production and knowledge production. Mm. They go a little bit deeper into who owns and controls uh, these means of communication and where they are located in society. And I think for me, that's we should always remember when we discuss these issues because if we are going to just deal with these issues at the level in which this, in how these discourses uh, are manifested, we are going to make a big chunk of the reality that uh, they, are, they are a result of an outcome or a product uh, of the control of the means of communication.
1: How, how do we ensure, even just domestically to link it up with the point that would have been raised by the first caller, KGM, the plurality or multiplicity of opinions, of views, and empower the public, or at least put the public in the empowered position to, of the perspectives that are generated around a particular question at a given time, give a 100 views if you must, but give the views certainly, and allow the listener or the consumer of that information to make up one's mind. In other words, what lessons, even at this global level, can we learn in relation to ensuring that media, media presence, media profile, media narratives, stories, reach, packaging, and all those things associated with communications and related strategies allow South Africans to be empowered because they continuously exercise choice as opposed to Exercise an option of the limited options, if that makes sense.
0: It does, and I think that the the, 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 the first and foremost, the power that we have as, as an African is to at least try and hold our own uh, media accountable. because the point that KGM is raising uh, lies at the heart, at the heart of the problem is the is the process, are the processes of knowledge production. If you look at quite a number of uh, discourses, uh, especially discourses that are ideologically made, if you look at how the issue of nationalization, if you look at the issue of land expropriation is presented by our very own media, it is presented in a very biased way where there is no plurality of voices, uh, especially about uh, those who are marginalized.
1: Mm.
0: If you look at the question of how land expropriation is presented, The historical perspective of the the oppression of the majority of the people is taken out of the context. Suddenly, you'll get ideas about food production, the impact of the economy, uh, policy uncertainty, uh, investor confidence. Suddenly, you are told about all those issues that have got absolutely nothing with the displacement of the African people whose land. Uh, were taken, so we are told that think about all these things that are going to affect the economy if you begin to think about.
1: Think about countries. everything else and nothing on the land, yeah.
0: Absolutely. So, so for me, the question is that the first thing that we can do is at least try to hold our very own media accountable because it's going to be difficult uh, uh, to do so with the international media because what.
1: Is that it? Okay, I beg your pardon for those who are listening for that power punch coming through from Mantla Khadeb, Associate Professor in the Department of Strategic Communication at the University of Johannesburg. He was just about to conclude his points, but essentially we were having a conversation on the importance of media freedom, especially during conflicts, and, well, you heard the conversation, and there's much to be learned from there, but I think... It's appropriate, Debucho in Glaxdorp, to sign off on what you have written to us. Open quote. The West is pushing its own narrative. The world didn't react the same to the U.S. invasion of Libya, Yemen, and even Iran. It's propaganda of the masses. Russia has warned of this war for years, but the U.S. never listened. It's amazing. History, somehow, some way, repeats itself. It's 2130. One more conversation after this break.